Hebrews chapter 12. If you're using a pew Bible, which we'd love for you to do, please use that if you don't have one of your own. Uh, that'll be page 1008. Hebrews chapter 12. You've got a mobile device. You're welcome to use that. We just want to be a church. We base everything we do on God's word, his infallible, inerrant word, the scriptures. And um, man, I just tell you what, we'd love for you to get a uh, see that, because it's not about what a preacher has to say, it's about what God has to say, amen? So we're in this series called White Picket Fences. It's, it's a parenting series helping us, whether we're grandparents, we're past the parenting, or we're right in the middle of it, because all of us kind of really need to learn how to treat children. And uh, man, I tell you what, w what God has to say about children applies to all of us. And then it really, as we think about the fact that all of us are children and God is our father, and so as we look at this, it's really showing us how God parents us. And so whatever stage you're at today, I believe God will speak to you. And so this is entitled, What Kids Really Need. And uh, what do kids really need? Well, they need food and clothing and shelter, right, all that sort of stuff. And, and, uh, and, and, and man, do they need, uh, you know, uh, an iPad? Uh, do they need, um, you know, uh, um, movies and all these sorts of things. Well, there's lots of things we think kids need, uh, but the reality is, is that kids need discipline a lot more than we think they do. And listen, the same is true for adults. Adults need discipline a lot more than we think we do. Amen? Uh, Suds, uh, who is heading up our guest services, uh, Mark Suds, he coaches uh, baseball uh, for T-ballers, and my son Liam plays on the team, and I go out there and I help those guys. It was kind of funny because all the parents were like, pay attention, kids. Get out there, kids. And it was hot yesterday. It was a 3 o'clock game, and, uh, man, it was, it, was, it was just burning up out there. And the little kids, they're just, you know, they're just like, I'm hot. I'm high, you know. And this one little kid, he's probably three years old. And he goes, I'm hot. I want to stand in the shadow, you know. And all, all the adults are like, no, get out there. But if you watch the field, all the adults – you know where we were standing? We were standing in the shade, right? Because we were saying, I'm hot too and I'm doing something about it. But you, little person, no, you got to stay there. I, I, get a, I got a different set of rules than you got. You know, it's kind of funny how we do that sometimes. And, um, and so, man, kids need discipline. Adults need discipline because left to ourselves, we are prone to destruction. We are prone to destroy ourselves. Human beings, there is something gone wrong inside of each of us. And uh, man, it's you know when, when you think about it, it's it's kind of crazy because as I was thinking about um, when I was uh, teaching, I used to be a school teacher and I used to work with kids in all different environments at, at the rec center and after school programs and uh, as a teacher. And and here's what I kind of thought at first: I thought if I'm nice enough, and as a teacher, if I'm funny enough, and if I'm engaging enough, I can make science come alive. These kids won't misbehave. Well, I found out that. That ship sunk real quick, and I was trying my hardest to, to make science engaging and trying to make these different things we we're doing engaging, and these kids are still flicking somebody in the back of the ear. One, one little kid stole some stuff off my desk, and, um, and man, I wish there were video cameras back in those good old days of teaching, but we didn't have all that high-tech stuff because I had to call his mom. I said, your son stole whatever it was, my staplers, some chocolate, it was something. He stole, I don't remember what it was, and she said, oh, not my baby. He's never done anything like that before. And I said, ma'am, I watched him. I watched him. He's sitting in the back of the class, turn around and take it off my desk and stick it in his book bag. Can you explain that? I just know my little baby wouldn't do that. Well, young, you, your son's a criminal. I don't know what to tell you. <clears throat> but I mean, you know, the reality is kids and adults and, and, and the Bible says this, children are a gift. It says that frequently in the Bible. They are a gift from the Lord, and they're precious. But they're also, they have a sinful heart, just like adults, and they are prone to self-destruction. As I heard my kids, uh, somebody gave me a, a funny tape of some things, uh, and my kids love to hear these little stories. I think it was by David Jeremiah. He's one of those uh, preachers, TV preachers, and, and he told a, a couple of different stories. One was he had to call as the pastor uh, the house to follow up with the family, and so he called the house, and I was like, ring, ring. And then this little voice picked up the phone and goes, hello. And he goes, hey, this is Pastor Jeremiah. Uh, is your uh, dad home? No. Um, well, can I, can I speak to your mom? 
No. Okay, well, son, is there anybody else or any other adults there that I can speak to? Yes. Okay, well, well, well who, who's there? The police. Oh, okay. Um, and he's just thinking, what has gone on at this house, right? And he goes, all right, uh, so, son, uh, c- can the police come to the phone and, and talk to me? No. All right. Uh, What are all these adults that are there doing that I can't speak to them? Looking for me. You know, (laughs) and, uh, you know, kids just get into into crazy things and um, and and left to themselves. They will hurt themselves that they will bring destruction upon themselves. And again, adults are the same way. And so discipline is not a dirty word. Reach over, touch your neighbor and tell them discipline is not a dirty word. Right. We have this idea, right, because we watch some crazy TV show. And of course, on the TV shows, on the news, they're going to show the crazy parents who are like, you know, clubbing their kids, like chasing them, like, you know, like just slashing at them like some crazy people. But discipline done God's way is not a dirty word. It's not something to be frowned upon. And, and, And just think about your kids, right, or just any kids that you've met. Have, have any adults in this room ever held a class teaching kids how to lie? No. Hey, little Johnny, when you get in trouble, you want to get out of trouble, you just tell a little lie. We never, we never taught them that. We, we never had a class on, on how to cheat at shoots and ladders or Uno or, or you know, Candyland. You don't, have, you don't have that class. You don't say, hey, look, when you're behind and you're losing, all right, you just move your little spot up a few little few little things, okay? You you just look through the deck of cards and you pick out the, the wild card, right? You didn't have to have that class with kids. They just know that. My kids are three and four years old and we're playing Udo and all of a sudden they start doing, they can't count yet, right? But they can do math in their heads real quick. They see, dad's got less cards than I've got. This game is about to be over. And they just start, you just see them get all twisted up, you know, and they're just thinking about, and they're like, hey dad, look this way, you know, like just doing like little things like that. I never taught them how to do that. They just come equipped like that. The precious little sinners they are. And so um, even this morning, there was I, I had to discipline one of my kids. And, and my wife, we were, she was she had to go someplace. And she's like, what's wrong? I was like, I'm just going to tell you about it later. And if you heard squealing coming out of my office this morning, it's because I had to put into practice what I'm about to preach. So um, this is very fresh. And so um, and so kids are a gift. Uh, in fact, so we're going to look at the scriptures in Hebrews chapter 12. But before we do that, I want to show you a picture so we're going to look at two case studies. One is from Hebrews, and, uh, and one is uh, from uh, what was called the Minnesota Report, the Reuben Hill Report. And, and what the sociologist did as he studied parents, the sociologist, and he studied parents. I think we got a picture of that, uh, guys, in the back there. I guess that'd be, um, there we go. Thank you. It's called the Reuben Hill Minnesota Report. If you can't see that, but this is like a, a axis here. And on this side, this is a zero, and this is discipline or control. How strict a parent is. Zero means not strict. I'll just, just do whatever you want. Okay, a lot of fire, dance on the table, eat uh, candy all day long. I, I don't care what you do. And a and hundred is like, you will not breathe without my permission. Okay, it's like that strict, right? So, so that's discipline going across the uh, x-axis, right? And then he, he put it onto a y-axis. Then he put love and affection. So down at the bottom would be uh, just no love, just I don't care about my kids. I don't talk to them. Uh, no affection. And then 100 uh, is like totally loving and affection. It's like, come here. Let me just kiss you one more time. I know it's been 73 times, but just before bed, I just want to, I want to kiss you again. Let me just give you an extra hug and all that. So it's just super affectionate. And so what they did is they put these uh, parents into quadrants as they, um, you know, hey, where, where do you rank? And, and as you think about this, I want you to think about what do you lean most towards? And so go ahead and show them that next one for me, Corey. Thank you. So this this quadrant would be the permissive parent. That 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 means man, they got they got low discipline and they got lots of love. Okay, they're high on love and affection. Oh, I love you, Johnny, but I I don't want to discipline you. And so that's a permissive parent. And what this produces in kids actually is low self-image and inferiority in a child. And so some people think, oh, I just I just love them and they'll be fine. But kids need those boundaries. They need guidelines because they don't have them. They actually feel scared. And uh, and then the, the bottom quadrant underneath that, number two, right, this is the neglectful parent. And this is probably the worst, right? No control, 
no discipline, do whatever you want, and they're not talking. They're not talking to them. They're not loving them. They're just totally neglecting their kids. Whatever you may have experienced, parents like that. And then as we move over to the next quadrant, um, it's called the authoritarian. And uh, these next couple words are going to be similar. But this person is high on discipline, but they are low on love. And so what happens is the child is provoked to rebellion. And so that child may listen. They may be submitting at home. They may be submitting. Uh, in other places, but as soon as they get out from underneath their parents' thumb, you know what they're saying? I'm out of here. Wait till 18 hits. I can't wait to get away from you. And so they, they listen, and they're good for a little bit, but, man, they're, they are just ready uh, because there's no love and affection. And then the last quadrant, number four, is called authoritative. Notice this is a little different there. This person is high on love, and they're high on control, high on discipline. And this produces in a child high self-image and good coping skills. Now, this is secular sociologists here, and this is one thing uh, that when you look at the scriptures, this is exactly what God has called us to do. And isn't it amazing that this is the best kind of environment that God has called us to do? And so that's one study, if you will. We're going to look at these Hebrew children here in Hebrews chapter 12, uh, because these people were rebelling, and the author of Hebrews had to write to them about their disobedience and, um, and about the discipline that was going on in their lives. And so hopefully you've had plenty of time now to open the Bible that are Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go ahead and look at it as we dig in this morning. You guys ready? Here we go. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4 says this. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? Then he quotes from Proverbs. My son. Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? Verse 8. If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Verse 9, besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? Verse 10, for they disciplined us, talking about our human fathers, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you, God, for the truths that it has in it. And I just pray for all of us, Lord. And, and no matter where we are, because I know not everybody here is a parent, but Father, help us to see, God, how you parent us. God, help us to see how we interact, maybe even with coworkers, Lord. Father, help us, most importantly, to see Jesus and his great love for us, his great care for us, even his great love and care for us in the way that he disciplines us and corrects us because he loves us so much. So, Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Discipline is not a dirty word. We've been using this plant analogy. I think we have a uh, picture of that as well. Guys, we got that plant picture, and we got a couple plants up here just for us to, to look at here. But what we've been saying is raising children, they are like a plant. And as parents, we're called to do what we're called to do. And then that plant has a responsibility. There's no perfect parents, no perfect kids, no perfect people. That plant is responsible for its own growth. We're responsible for how we help it to grow. Amen. And so there's this environment. I call that the dirt, right? That's what we talked about last week. We got to, we as parents and grandparents and as a church family, by the way, are called to surround kids with the right kind of environment, a Christ like environment. That's the dirt. That's the, the soil in which they need to grow. And, and we said there are kind of three major things. It's loving touch, abundant time, 
and encouraging talk. And those are some ways that we, we provide the nutrients in which children need. And we examined some scriptures last week and looked at that. And so if you missed it, go back online. And then this week, go ahead and go to the next one. We're going to provide kids with discipline. That's the structure. That's, that's the, the pot, if you will. That's the root system that a tree or a plant needs so it won't fall over, right? If you just took this little tree, right? If I took this little tree and I took it out of this pot and I just, oh, it's a little bit heavier, Miss Rainey. I think I want to break this thing. This is, what is it? No, I can't tell. Um, glass, plastic, ceramic. If I just took this thing out and I laid this plant down without planting it in, in a some dirt or someplace where it can get structure or in a pot like this where it can get structure, what happens to the plant? Right? It's going to fall over and die. If it can't establish a good root system, it's going to get blown over. And so this structure, and then, you know, potted plants, the, 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 the pot provides that structure out in the, in the world. Uh, the, the environment that God has provided provides that structure. And so that's what they need. They need discipline. And discipline is just not, again, beating our kids all the time. It is all kinds of things. In fact, I put a little definition there. Uh, just on There's a yellow handout, I believe, and it, and it just tells you that it's teaching obedience to God's word through consistent consequences. That's actions and clear instructions. That's words in an atmosphere of love, and and, and it brings security in kids' lives. I like to say it's kind of like, um, you know, um, like a dog crate. I used to think a dog crate was a mean thing, right? You know, like that dog is meant to run and all that sort of stuff, and he is meant to run, by the way. But man, I tell you what, when a thunderstorm comes, where do dogs want to go? Man, they they want to curl up someplace where they can be what? secure and safe. They want to know there are boundaries and they're protected. And that's the same thing with kids. Now, what, what, if, what if this room has some boundaries, right? And what if I went over to this wall here and I just kind of put my hand on this wall and I could move this wall? How safe would y'all feel being in this room? You wouldn't feel very safe, right? If I was just like, Wah! I mean, I know I got these big guns and everything like that. I look kind of like Captain America a little bit, but, um, you know, <clears throat> um, but if I pushed on that wall and the security, the structure that's surrounding you was not there, you would feel insecure. And so kids need those boundaries. Discipline is not a dirty word. Amen. And so we're going to navigate back to this text here and look at a couple of things uh, on how to build this security and what kids really need in their lives. So point number one, you can write this down here. Uh, it's on the outline. The necessity of discipline is to deter destruction. That's what goes in the blank to deter destruction. Because as I said earlier, kids left to themselves will self-destruct. Adults left to themselves will self-destruct. This, this is, uh, you know, I don't know if you, if you experienced this with the kid or if you ever went to driving school. But when you go to driving school and you practice driver's ed, you're, you're driving and the teacher next to you, they got something on the other side there. They got a little break. Have y'all ever experienced that? So if the teenager who's learning how to drive starts going too crazy, that teacher could just go, whomp, hit on the brakes. And they did that to me one time because um, it was raining. It was kind of like a day. It was more raining than it was today. And the light was turning yellow. And I was thinking, I'm almost at the intersection. I probably got to make it. I don't want to skid on this wet day. And so I started gunning it through the intersection. This is, this is in driving school. I'm with my driving teacher, right? And I start gunning it. And all of a sudden, I feel, Burp! Oh, and I'm like, oh, that hurt. And I looked over like, why did you do that? She's like, you can't run a red light. Okay, I was about to do something dangerous, and she had to put the brakes on. This is a parent who we see that the road is out, and there is no bridge, and the car is going to fall to destruction, and you grab the wheel from that driver. You hit the brake on your side. You put a roadblock in front of them, and it causes some minor pain. Oh, but it saves them from greater destruction. Do you know what I'm saying? Because they can't see that the bridge is out. They don't know about that yet. And so it's to deter destruction. Look at the verse there. Back in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 4, it says this. In your struggle, in your struggle against what? Sin. Sin is out to eat people's lunch. Sin is not something to play with. And we use that word sometimes. But sin resides in every human heart. And his, his goal is to destroy us. The Bible says that we have an enemy called Satan. In John 10.10, 10, says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the enemy's goal for your child's life, for your life, for your spouse's life, for your sibling's life, for your nephew's life, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's 
good at his job. But I love the rest of that verse. John 10, 10 says this, but I have come, Jesus said, but I have come to give life. And the commands of God bring life. And so the enemy brings destruction. And so kids are getting destroyed. There was a uh, article that I read uh, back in 2013 about a young man named Andy Lopez in uh, Santa Clara, uh, Santa Rosa, excuse me, uh, California. And uh, he was walking around his neighborhood. He's 13 years old, walking around his neighborhood with what looked like a semi-automatic rifle. And um, it was a, indeed a plastic gun, but people didn't know that uh, because usually those have orange tips and he, whatever reason, colored that orange tip. And, um, and so people called and said there's a 13-year-old walking around with a, uh, an assault rifle. And, uh, and so all the police were called and, um, and, and they surrounded him and they, they said twice, put the weapon down. Put the weapon down. And you know what Andy Lopez did? He raised that weapon. And the police had to shoot him. Police have a very difficult job. And I know there's been all kinds of situations in our recent past history where people are getting shot and, and it's it's unclear just because of their skin color or because of this or because of that. And I don't want to get into all that because it's a difficult job. And I'm just grateful that I don't have to make those calls as our first responders do. But I know this. And this is what one writer said about that situation. Pastor John Piper said this. He said, I don't blame those police officers. He says, I blame those parents because they have trained. They have trained that child to get shot by allowing him or her to be disobedient in small things around the house, small things around the yard, small things in the classroom. They have trained that child that it's okay to disregard authority. And they have prepared that child to get shot. And he went on to tell another story about, he said, I was on a plane and there was a little kid playing on their iPad and he was playing on his iPad. And then the stewardess came over and said, you know, we're about to take off, you know, please turn off all electronics, you know, and, uh, he watched the mother do nothing. Stewardess came by and I was getting their pre-flight check. Said, "Son, uh, please got to turn that off. Give it to your mother." Walked on by to go do her thing. Kids still playing. Mother did nothing. Flight gets ready to take off. Boy kept it on through the whole time. And he said the mother did nothing. He said that mother is preparing her child for destruction. She is teaching her child to be destroyed to get shot one day by somebody in authority. And, and we don't realize that when we let kids get away with things, when we fail to give them discipline and guidelines, it's not loving. In fact, look at what Proverbs 19.18 says. Proverbs 19.18 says, Discipline your son, for there is hope in that. And discipline him. And he says this, Do not set your heart on putting him where? To death. One translation says, do not aid him in his death. You're aiding and abetting him in destroying him or herself. Discipline yourself, your daughter, for in that there is hope. And so the necessity, there is a need. That's what necessity means. There is a need for discipline in adult lives and in kids' lives because sin will destroy us. Then number two is this, the means of discipline. The means of discipline. This is part of how we go about it. It's clear instructions and consistent actions. Clear instructions and consistent actions. What do you mean by that? You know, when you're instructing somebody on something, you have to tell kids what the expectation is. You have to tell them, don't touch a lamb because they're kids, right? It's like, this looks pretty. Ooh, I wonder what happens if I touch it. They have to be instructed. Sometimes we just assume kids should know things. You know what we do? We get upset that they do something, then we just jerk them up by the arm. You can't do that in here. That's not discipline. That's close to abuse. They haven't been instructed. You take kids out to the grocery store. You take kids out to a restaurant. You have to tell them what the expectation is. You have a dress code for your kids. You have expectations about their electronics. You have to tell them what that is. Hey, you can use electronics from this time to this time. In our house, you're going to wear clothes like this. This is, this is the clear instructions. You give them instructions. You just, we assume sometimes kids know things that we as adults know, right? And they have no clue. They haven't lived as long as us. They haven't experienced these things. And so we have to give them instructions, and then we have to have consistent actions. Look back at the verse with me, right? Verse 5 through 6. Let's look and see what Hebrew says. Verse 5, it says this, And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? As sons. And then it says this, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. The discipline is the clear actions there, right? That's what the word there means. The discipline is clear actions of the Lord. And then it says this, 
nor be weary when what? Reproved by him. That's instructions. That's God using his word to tell us what's right, what's wrong, and to correct us with his word. And then he repeats it again. And again, he's quoting from Proverbs. And then it says this. He says in, in verse 6, for the Lord, what? Disciplines, that's the actions, the one he loves, and he chastises, that's using instructions, that's using his words, every son whom he receives. And so, now, there are different ages and stages. I'm not going to get into all that today, but it's kind of funny. Sometimes I see parents doing the opposite. Like they've got a one-year-old, and they want to explain to a one-year-old who's about to touch an electrical socket, right? And, uh, and, and, and with younger kids, you, you do more actions than you do words. With older kids, you've got to explain to them, hey, this is why you don't hang out with these people. This is why you don't wear this. This is why we're not, you're not going to see that movie, these sorts of things. But, but a little one-year-old is like, I want to touch a light socket, right? And they just want to go over there and touch it. And then, and then parents are coming over to a one-year-old saying, okay, so please don't touch it. Please, 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 please. I, I mean, I know you're tiny and I'm big, but... I don't want to make you unhappy, and please don't touch that, because there's this thing called electricity. Do you know what electricity is? It's this, I don't even know what electricity is, but it's this an invisible stuff, and it can hurt you real bad. It's, okay, you know, and they're, like, they're one years old. They're like, oh. right? A smaller kid just needs more action. They need more action from an adult than they need instructions. You know what I mean? Now, that doesn't mean that we... Uh, don't give them instructions because there are times to explain things. But my wife does this a lot better than I do. She will explain things again. Hey, hey, that's a vase. That's grandma's vase. That's very expensive. And so we're not going to touch that. And a three or four year old can understand that. A one year old is just like, you know, I don't know what this thing is. I just want to poke at it. It's just calling me to poke at it. You know, I just, what it's doing. And so you have to understand the, the ages and stages that kids are at. And so you can give them clear instructions, give them the expectations, right? This is what happens a lot of times with me. I'm just guilty of this, right? I'm sitting down doing something. And, um, and, and a lot of times we discipline based upon our emotional state or we relate to coworkers. And it's like they can do something. Like kids can be running around the house, right? Running around the house. I'm just watching TV. Running around the house. Doesn't bother me, right? But all of a sudden there's a play about to happen, right? It's three seconds left in the game. And now they're too loud. They've been the same volume the whole time, right? But now I can't hear what's about to happen. And what do I do as a parent? I blow up on them, right? You, you know better than to run in this house. They don't know better. Because for the past 15 minutes, guess what I trained them to do? I trained them. It's okay to run in the house because I didn't say a word because I was too lazy watching the tube, right? And, and so clear instructions and then consistent actions. And the actions have to be consistent. Because if I'm inconsistent, right, they don't know what to expect. And moms, I love moms. Moms are the greatest. But, but moms are like the, the same way. Moms and dads, we both have our issues, right? Moms, you just never know what, what to expect, right? And, and I know we got some teenagers right here, and, and teenagers can say certain words. And if mom's having a good day, right, they could be like, whatever, mom. And mom's like, okay, okay, oh, whatever, whatever. Okay, and the next day, mom's having a bad day, and you're like, whatever, mom. Mom's like, don't you ever say whatever to me. You don't speak like that. I'm an adult. You know, and it's like it just changes. And the kid's like, what? I said it. What? I don't get it, you know? And they're just ducking for cover. And y'all are laughing because you know it's true. And um, that's what happens. But consistency is the key. You can't, you can't do it one way uh, on one day and then change it the next day. You have to be consistent. Because think about how consistent God is with us. And think about how clear, amen, his word is to us, right? His word is so clear. And so clear instructions. Hey, do not hit. Do not take this from your little sister. Do not touch this. We're going into the store. When we go into the store, here's how I want you to behave. You're going to hold on to the cart. You're not going to touch anything, okay? And, and we're going to go through. And I love how um, uh, Charles Lauer, he's a psychologist. We've done some of his studies here before. He, he loves to talk about, he's like, have you ever thought about how mean grocery shopping is to kids? We take them into the store filled with all the stuff that they could ever want. And we say to them, you can't have any of this. And I'm going to get all of it. I'm going to take whatever I want off the shelf and you can't get anything you want. And in fact, not only that, I'm going to make you sit on everything that I get. And he's like, it's not even a comfortable seat. We make them sit on a metal cage. You sit on a metal cage while I go and I take everything I want off the shelf. It's all about me. I take what I want. And he's like, and then we tell them they can't get anything. He's like, you just got to think about what it's like for a little kid. And she's like, 
Well, no wonder they're asking for everything. But now kids know how to get the best of parents, too, because they know this is a public situation. And I can act up in here, and they, they won't get me, uh, at least some parents, right? They won't get me, and, and I can whine and complain and scrum, and I might be able to get me some of them after this, after this trip is done, you know? And so, but clear instructions and consistent actions, amen? Third is this, the motive of discipline. The motive of discipline is to express love, to express love. To express what? Love. Not to express our anger or our irritation, but to express love. And this is where a lot of us get it wrong, including myself. Some of us, we go the opposite way. We think, I'm going to be such a loving parent. And I like to call this the lifeguard parent. This is the rescuing parent, right? I just love little Johnny so much. And, and we're always rescuing them. And, and I'm just going to let them slide just as once because they've had a hard day. Poor little guy. And I'm just going to let them slide. And we think that is loving. But the reality is that's a twisted view of love. It makes us feel better about ourselves. And, um, and so we're always rescuing our kids from consequences. They forgot about the science fair, right? So, and, they, and they tell you Wednesday night, oh, I forgot about my science project. When does it do? Tomorrow morning. And so you know what a lot of parents do? Oh, we go scrambling out to the Walmart, get all the stuff, stay up late, gluing it on, putting it all together, printing stuff out. The whole while they're like on their phone, like texting, yeah, man, I got a great parent, right? They didn't learn anything. They didn't learn anything about consequences. They learned when I mess up, my mom will do it for me. And so therefore I don't have to do anything. And, um, and, and, and I get rescued from it. And then they're going to go to work one day. And a project's going to be due, and they're going to expect their boss to rescue them. And the boss is going to give them a little slip of paper and say, you're fired. You can't work here. He's going to go, why not? I thought you were supposed to do it for me. And, uh, and we rescue their kids. Oh, little Johnny forgot his lunch. And it's like, oh, poor Johnny's going to starve if he doesn't have his lunch. What am I going to do? And so we leave work, take him his lunch, all that sort of stuff. You know you're a lifeguard parent when you've had to take little Johnny his lunch three times in the past semester, right? You're you're you're. You're a rescuing parent, right? Little Johnny won't forget his lunch if he goes hungry one time, okay? Little Johnny, this is what I did as little Johnny, right? I took my lunch money. I had lunch money back in those days, a good old dollar and ten cents. And, um, and, uh, and I would take that, and I would buy something else, right? You know, because I wanted something else other than lunch. And then, you know, now my parent didn't, my mom didn't play those games. But some parents, they'd be like, oh, you, you know, you didn't get, oh, yeah, mom, I didn't get any lunch. I was so hungry. So they give him more money. And, and this kid's saving up to buy a CD, to buy a stereo equipment, to buy a new video game, to buy something else. They're, 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 they're buying Skittles from kids in the corner, right? There's like a black market for candy in schools, right? And it's like, hey, hey, give me 10 Skittles, man. Give, you got 10? You got 10? All right, good. And, um, and we're going through all that stuff. And it's like we, the Bible says a man reaps what he sows. He reaps what he sows. What does that mean, young people? That means what you put in is what you get out. If you fail to do the science project, you fail. And that's a very good lesson to learn while you're younger. If you forget your lunch, yeah, it's okay. I mean, mom, bring it one time. Dad, bring it one time. Okay, but if you consistently forget your lunch, you're training your kid. Again, you're training them and teaching them irresponsible. That's what you're teaching them instead of teaching them responsibility. And so that's a twisted view of love. And I look at the verses. And in fact, uh, Corey, I don't think I put verse 5 up there. Um, but but um, I, I want us to look back at verse uh, 5 because um, it says this. You'll have to just go back one slide. Verse 5, you guys look at it with me. It says, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? What is it saying? God loves his children. He loves his sons. And he says this, my what? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Do not be weary when reproved. Him. Look at verse 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he what? The goal is to express, I love you. I discipline you because I love you, because I know how this is going to affect you later. So because I love you, no, you can't have this. Because I love you, no, you can't watch this. Because I love you, no, I'm not bringing you your lunch. You will figure it out. I believe in you. You'll get it next time. Okay? He won't starve. Trust me. We live in America, folks. All right? And, um, and, and so <clears throat> this is important. Look at, look at what Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 24 says. In fact, this is a, a, a twisted view of love. Whoever spares the rod, that's, that's a biblical uh, reminder of discipline using a rod. We'll get to that in a second. Whoever spares the rod, what? Hates, hates his son. 
because we really love ourselves more. We don't want to have to confront that child. We don't have, and, and for those of you who don't have a child, you don't want to confront your brother or sister in your community group. You don't have to confront uh, your coworker because of their crazy behavior, the self-destructive. It says this, but he who, look at the verse with me, but he who loves him is what? Diligent to discipline. He who loves him is diligent. So the, the goal is to express love. Now this means we can never discipline out of anger or irritation, right? But that's typically what happens to most of us, right? I can't believe you did that. Come here. You know, just give them a good old-fashioned one. I, you, know, you embarrass me. How dare you embarrass me in front of, uh, in front of uh, all these people? How, 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 how can my child do something like this? Right? And we express irritation. We express anger. Um, I have an unwritten rule. Maybe you have this unwritten rule. There's no parenting to go on in the Mackey household after 9 p.m. Right? Because we've been with you guys all day. We've loved you, we've hugged you, we've tucked you in, we read a story, we prayed with you, we fed you, we clothed you, we helped you with homework. My goodness, can we get an hour to talk as adults and maybe watch something or maybe just make tomorrow's lunch in peace or maybe just, just have a few minutes of quiet time. So it's an unwritten rule, no parenting past 9 p.m., right? Oh, and then somebody starts bothering somebody else in the room. And you know how I, how I get? I get irritated. I'm not irritated because they're fighting. I'm irritated that I got to get up off the couch. And so I'm coming in there. If you don't be quiet, uh, you do not want to know what's going to happen to you. I will take away everything you own. Go to bed for the last time. Right? I'm not expressing love. I'm expressing my irritation. They have ruined my evening. And, and that's really what it's about is, is that you've got to express love. And so on the back of that sheet there, that yellow sheet, there's some practical tips there. And this is where I just want to take a little time there to, to help you with that. Um, because what I didn't say is that you won't get angry, right? What I didn't say is you won't get irritated. That will still happen. That's when adults, you know what we need to do? We need to take a time out. we got to send ourselves to our room, right? And, and, and we've got to take that time out and just chill for a second. And so there's just some quick tips there um, for uh, to, you know, be consistent and clear. We talked about that. Determine what is childish versus rebellious, right? Kids are going to be curious. Kids are going to play in the dirt. They're going to drop dishes. They're, they're, they're going to touch interesting objects. They're going to run because they're excited. They're going to yell and not use an inside voice. They're going to play in the mud and dig up things and grab worms, okay? You, you, you don't just uh, attack a child because he did it. They're, they're being childish. What they need, childish foolishness needs instructions. Hey, this is why you're not going to dig a hole here because if I fall in that hole, I'm going to break my ankle. So you don't dig in the yard. You got it? Yes, Dad. Okay. That happens at my house. Okay? Digging up stuff like they're looking for gold. Okay? And um, uh, now, when I give them that clear instruction and they do it again, that's different than foolishness. That is now moved into the category of you're being rebellious. I told you not to dig. Now you've dug. Now we got to uh, up the, the ante there. And so, um, and so listen, you, you got to use age-appropriate consequences and uh, for little kids, for bigger kids. And, um, and, and you've got to focus on winning the war and not the battles. And, and this is important here. I want you to look um, up on the screen here. Uh, and again, we already talked about the rod of discipline. And there's another proverb here, Proverbs 22:15. It says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the what? The rod of discipline will drive it far from. I'm about to say something here, really uh, not popular, really uh, not politically correct. But I believe the Bible teaches corporal punishment, i.e. spanking, as the appropriate form of discipline. Okay, Not people going crazy and chasing people around, something like that. Okay, But done in love, done under control. And, and the Bible uses the word rod. And so what somebody taught me and my wife was the hand. The hand is for blessing. I bless my child with the hand. But we get a rod, not like a wooden rod. Okay, Maybe like a little spoon, a little plastic spoon. And all you need is a little flick of the wrist. right? We used to have a little uh, rubber Ruler, right? Remember that? My kids remember that, right? And we used to keep it in the purse. We're like, hey, hey, you see this ruler I got? Don't make me come over there. And I was like, okay, right? And, uh, and, and listen, just a little sting, okay? We're not talking about abusing kids here, and you can send all your emails uh, to Pete Peters, one of our elders. I'll give you his email, and, um, and he can just, <laughs> right? And so, but listen, done in love appropriately. Now, listen, you have to spank for I had to learn this. My wife had to help teach me this. Okay, there are all kinds of appropriate consequences. Let me give an example. My son, um, Liam, uh, he loves to steal candy from the church. And um, and so 
rainy and suds. They have got mints all in the bathrooms, all that sort of stuff. And so my kids are here on Wednesday night, and they think they got free rain because no adults are around. They can just get all the mints. And so I'm down the hallway, and I hear this, and, um, and all the kids are running. And, um, and then I can hear inside the boys' bathroom crying, crying, crying. And, and Liam, is just, he can't even leave the bathroom. He is so distraught. And he's just like, so I get him to calm down and tell me what happened. He said, I was just washing my hands. I was washing my hands, and I bumped it. I don't know how it fell. I said, Liam, Liam, that candy dish is over here. It's not even near the sink. Tell me the truth. I just wanted one, and I dropped it. And um, But look, glass was everywhere. He didn't get hurt, all that sort of stuff. Man. But he was so distraught. He was so brokenhearted. The Holy Spirit, his little conscience was so working on him. I didn't have to do anything to him because he was he knew he was caught. And he knew, and so I didn't have to give him a spanker for that. He the, the Holy Spirit was already working on him. Now, this morning was a different story because I told him, don't leave my office. And I told all the other little kids, I said, don't worry. We're going to be in here praying. Do not leave. You guys got it? Yes. Do not leave the office. He saw the peppy boys outside in the hallway. He's like, there's all these girls in the office. There's boys out here, and he left the office, and so he had to get a little loving spanking, and um, you know, and uh, and 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 listen, it's it's just enough, you know, to to uh to inflict. They got extra tissue back here for a reason. God gave that to them, and um, and listen, and 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 you can poll the adults in this audience. You can poll adults all around, adults who and people are like, you're gonna ruin. You're going to hurt their, you're going to damage, you're going to teach them to hit. You're not teaching them to hit because you're not, if you go in anger, right, and this is what happens to us. We use our words and we're like, I told you to stop doing that. And, and parents, you start getting, and we're trying to use our words to control them. And then we just lose it, right? And then we're like a rocket. And then we haul off. And, and I believe if you clearly, consistently, hey, nope, I told you not to do that. All right, come with me in private. No, nope, not going to embarrass you in front of all your friends. Okay. In private and under control. Pop, pop. I love you. Let's pray. What did you do wrong? Tell me what you did wrong. Okay, I forgive you. Let's ask Jesus to forgive you. You you go through that. That's way more effective. Than, I told you stop. I told you right. And then just you, you're screaming at them all the time. That damages. Screaming at kids, eyes bulging, veins popping. That damages kids' psyche. But a loving embrace, a, a little swat, and and no, you're not going to do that and again. That's not everything. There are natural consequences. Liam, he broke that glass. He was scared out of his mind. That was all the consequences he needed. Right. Okay, there are natural use the natural consequences. Okay, so that is one form of discipline. Timeout works in some instances, but little kids, you know, they, they get so bored in timeout, right? They're off that chair and, and onto something else, and they're picking paint on the wall, right? That was not effective. You have to determine that. And so, but the goal is to express what? Love. All right, let's wrap this up here. A couple more. Uh, and then the goal of discipline number four is to teach obedience. Is to teach obedience because, as I said earlier, kids are a danger to themselves, and we're going for, I need you to obey my words the, the first time with the right attitude, right? The first time with the right attitude. Eye rolling is not obedience. Huffing and puffing is not obedience, okay? Uh, the, the famous um, arm dragging, knuckle dragging, what do we call it? Ape walk or something in our house is what my kids do, right? I don't want to go clean my room, you know? That's not obedience. And, um, and so sometimes you just got to call them back and say, nope, do it the right way. Show, show me the right. Nope. Can't hear me. I'm done. Yeah. You hear me? Okay. All right. I just wonder. I thought my kids got back there. I'm like, ship it down. So the goal of this one is to teach obedience. Look, at, look with me at verse nine. Verse nine says this. Verse nine says this. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be what? Be subject, that's obedience, to the Father of spirits and live. And then number five, the result of discipline, the result of discipline is short-term pain and long-term gain. Short-term pain and long-term gain. Nobody likes discipline. Look at the verse with me there. Verse 10 through 11 says this. For they, this is talking about our human fathers, they disciplined us for what time? A short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his what? Holiness is freedom, folks. Man, look at all of us. Man, we're addicted to things. We're, we're broken. We're fragmented individuals. 
God is calling us to holiness, and holiness is, is related to wholeness. Jesus, as I've said before, is the only normal human being there ever was. We're all these fragmented sin has just destroyed us. And man, holiness is freedom. Holiness is beauty. Imagine the person who is freed from their addictions, who is freed from their fears and walking how God has made them to walk. That's what holiness is. And so that's the gain, right? Look at the verse 11. For in the moment, all discipline, right? All discipline seems what? Painful rather than pleasant. It's short-term pain. Then it says this, but later it yields the what? The peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. I remember back in the days of my basketball coach, we would start the first five or six practices, no touching a basketball at all. It was a humongous medicine ball like this big. I was a little freshman, just a little skinny thing. Those big football players on my team would throw that medicine ball at me. I would just like, it would hit me like this. And I'd and I try to like throw it to them. And we would do sprints. We would do suicides up and down. We're throwing up in the corners, just running like dogs. The heat of the gym, all the whole practice, not a shot, not a dribble, run, condition, run, condition. Our coach will say to you, I'm training you so you can be ready for the end of the season. I'm training you because there's going to be a day when the clock is going to be ticking and the other team's going to be exhausted and you are going to beat them because you're going to have energy because I've trained you. And it's like, I don't care. I cannot do another suicide, okay, without barfing my brains out. And, um, and it's not pleasant, right? But when you get to the end of the season and you win the championship, you are so thankful to that coach. You're so grateful. That's a worldly illustration. How much more is there a spiritual illustration, right, that there is long-term gain? I heard uh, I was visiting Ms. Pat Walker. She's actually one of the few charter members that we still have alive here. I was visiting Ms. Pat Walker, her son. Uh, Robert Walker was there. Some of you guys may know uh, John and Susan Williams. That's her, her daughter, Susan Williams. And I was talking with uh, Robert, and he was telling me about, yeah, I grew up there at Plaza, and I just sit there, and he's like, man, one time I stuck out of my window. One time I did this. He said, one time I was in the back row, and Reverend Hughes stopped the service because I was disobeying. And he said, my mom was in the choir, and somebody else was in the choir, and I was with somebody, Dave Ainley's son. And, man, he's like, we just went into it. He's like, but, man, I tell you what, I'm so grateful. My mom disciplined me. And we were just talking about life. It just came up. He's like, man, I'm so grateful that she just, because I am who I am now, because she disciplined me. And I'm thankful for it. And you can poll people here. People who, who grew up, they will tell you, I'm grateful my parents loved me enough to discipline me. It is long-term gain. And then finally, and we'll close with this, and as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, the limits of discipline. The limits of discipline, even the best discipline cannot bring heart change. Because remember, as we said, this is a plant analogy. That plant on its own has to respond to God's grace. You see, what you and I are not dealing with is not just bad behavior, right? But there's a condition in your heart and a child's heart that causes bad behavior. You need to understand this. I need to understand this. It gives us a different interpretation. When our kids are acting that way, we know it's because they are sick. They have a condition that makes them rebel. They... they if, if you had stomach cancer, right, you had stomach cancer, and you're like, you know what, I'm just going to take some Tums, and you did not treat the, the problem, you just treated the symptoms, you're like, oh man, I'm taking the Tums, and I, I'm feeling better, I'm feeling better. Would you be so naive to think your stomach cancer is cured? You're dealing with the symptoms, not with the problem. The problem is all children... And all adults need Jesus Christ. They need the grace of God. And so you can throw on that next slide there. They need the Son, right? The Son of God. That's what we keep going back to, right? So in parenting, you're not dealing with just bad behavior, but you're dealing with a condition of their heart. Somebody's saying, Pastor, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just want three days. Of, I just want my kid in preschool to be on the green light just a couple times this week. Can I get on green light, right? I just want my daughter to eat her carrots. I just want my son to pick up his clothes. I'm tired of hearing my children arguing. I just want my kid. I would give anything. I'd give my left arm for my kids to obey. But you have to know this. You have to play the long game. All resistance, all rebelliousness, all the laziness in a person's heart is due to the fact that they are a sinner in need of being born again. And that only happens through a relationship with God. And as we celebrate the Lord's table, in fact, I'll ask the men, 
Go ahead and come now and let's make the Lord's table ready as we prepare for that. But as we celebrate the Lord's table, it's a reminder that only the gospel can change a heart. Only the gospel can change the heart. All the discipline in the world can't change your heart. The Bible said it's the grace of God, the kindness of God that leads us towards repentance. So what do you mean by that, Pastor? As we celebrate the Lord's table, it's this reminder that Jesus gave his body and his blood for us. And it's in the gospel that heart change comes to anybody. And when you deal with the heart, when you discipline with grace and with love and you point your kids to Jesus and you can say, as a parent, as a grandparent, I've done all I can do for you. You need a relationship with God and yourself. I can't just deal with the symptoms. Your kid now gets honor roll. Your kid is now behaving a little bit. You cannot be fooled into thinking their heart has automatically changed until they know and they walk with Jesus Christ. And a parent's greatest desire is that their children or their child, a, a grandparent's greatest desire is that their child would know Jesus and that he would do what? He changes their heart. And then their behavior gets affected from there. We're not changing because of rules and regulations and discipline. I'm bigger than you. You will obey. I can make you do this. And that's how a lot of us have grown up. That's how a lot of us are used to. But the grace of God is what changes hearts. Amen. So as we prepare for the Lord's table, here's how it's going to happen. If you're in this room and you're a believer, you're a follower of Christ, you're from a different church, you're welcome to celebrate the Lord's table with us. We'd love for you to join us. If you're a follower of Christ, please join us as we celebrate the body and the blood of Christ. If you're in this room and you're not sure where you're at in your faith walk, which is you're, you're not positive you're a Christian, we just ask you to hold off. Let the plate pass from you. Why? Because we have something even better to offer you. We have the true bread of life, the true forgiveness. This cracker and this juice, this is a reminder. That's all it is. It's a reminder for us as believers. There's, there's no holy, sanctified, special crackers and juice up here, folks. It doesn't bring salvation or change to your heart for the bad things you've done this week. And so if you're in this room, you don't know Christ, we want to offer you the real risen Christ, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And when he comes into your heart, he cleanses you. And then you get to celebrate this, the reminder of what he's already done for you. And so as the plates are going to be passed around, we ask that those who are believers in Jesus Christ, you take one cracker and, uh, and one cup of juice and just hold it to the end till all have been served. And then we'll come back together and take it as one family. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his goodness that we can celebrate, Lord, who you are, that you loved us enough to discipline us, that you loved us enough to send your son, Jesus Christ, not just to discipline us, but you sent him as a savior, a Messiah. We needed rescuing in our hearts. Our hearts were wicked and dark and destructed, filled with sin. And you sent a savior to rescue us from wicked hearts making us alive when we were dead being born again by the living word of God we thank you for that so bless this time in Jesus name Amen